This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 143. We did things as if a business that had 100 rentals would do it. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets Podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. Hey, Brandon. Josh, how are you today? Oh, wow. That's really nice. <laughs> you know, last week, you, you didn't want to be cordial. You didn't want to ask me that. And, yeah. and today, you, you flipped I the I jumped circle. right on it. I feel, I feel good, man. You know, yeah. just knowing that you care. I care I, a lot. Yeah. That's, that's just not true, is it? You're not answering the question, though. So, What, what is the question, Brandon? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm doing really good. You know, it's finally, we're finally starting to get out of this crazy Indian summer here. I, I think today might actually be a day under 80, which, which would be uh, kind of nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, things are great, man. Fall is coming. Leaves are changing. Denver is, Colorado's just gorgeous. So I don't know. I don't know about up there in, in Washington if you're Podunk. starting to see. It looks like the middle of like January. It's like rainy and cloudy and awesome. Aww, yeah. Poor you. Oh, That's well. all right. Anyway. Anyway. S- since you don't really matter, let's, let's move on to the people that do. Okay. Our audience. Our audience. They matter. So how are you guys doing today? Oh, they're not answering either. Oh, wow. <laughs> Nobody cares about you. Nobody either. cares about me and my questions. <laughs> All, All right. right, guys. Well, today we got a really uh, we got a cool show with a with a you know a young guy who's just kind of rocking it, and, yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna get into it for sure. I, I really quickly, what's going on with all these properties you got going on? I, I know there's uh, some kind of deal you're in the midst of something new. Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, there's that one we talked about last week. I just wanted to give a quick update. So we only recorded last week's show a few days ago, so not much has changed. But I wanted to say, you know, I mentioned last week that I put in an offer, which if you didn't listen to last week's show, go back and listen to it. You will love it. That's uh, a great show. A, yeah, ton actionable of, tips. Ton of actionable tips. 22 and a half of them. But anyway, on the beginning of the show, we talked about, I put an or I'm, I'm offering on this property. Anyway, I wanted to throw in today's quick tip and tie it into that. So when I offered on it, so today's quick tip, uh, <laughs> I offered with a letter of intent as well. And so what I did, I offered on the property just like normal through my agent. And then I sent my agent a PDF of just a simple one page. It had a picture of my wife and I, and I've talked about this on webinars and on the podcast before, but it just works so well and hopefully it'll work this time, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, picture of my wife and I, and it just said, hi, you know, we're local investors. We love this property. It would fit perfectly with our portfolio. We are excited to fix it up and make it look just amazing. This is what we do for a business. Uh, and we just love this community we would be happy if you would accept our offer. And I offered full price on this property because it's such a good deal anyway. So uh, yeah, we'll see if that works. But anyway, that's my quick tip is submit a letter with your offer. Even if it's to a bank, there's always a person at the end of the, the receiving line that's going to accept or reject it. So if you cannot send a, submit an offer with a letter, do so. It's a great way to improve your chances. And it doesn't always work. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't always. It doesn't. It just, I mean, we've, yep. we've used that before. Um, and this my, might not work. But, I and, and yeah. you know, tried that and and you know, in, in past and, yeah. and have had, uh, you know, responses from people who think that you look like they're, you know, angry, mean, you know, <laughs> third cousin that they hate and they suddenly don't want to do business with you. So maybe, maybe you're just not cute enough, you know, I, you know, I don't, you need me on your picture. If you put a picture right. of me on your letter, I mean, anybody can just take a picture of me and put it on your letter and you'll get your offer accepted. <laughs> guaranteed. Hi, I'm Brandon Turner, <laughs> co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. I'm looking for a loan. Yeah, there you go. That's how yeah. you do it. All yeah. right. All right. Anyway, that's my quick tip today. So <laughs> I'll let you guys know next week if I got the offer accepted or not. So we'll see. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Great. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six-month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. What's better than low money down? No money down. 
Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rent to Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I lock my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let's get on with the show. Uh, today, I'm super excited to introduce you guys to Nick Baldo. Nick is awesome. Oh, but yeah, really, really, really quick what? before Nick, guys, you listen to the show, eh, fine. you love the show, fine. jump on iTunes, okay. take three minutes out Whatever. of your day and, and leave <laughs> us a rating review. It would be exceptionally beneficial to Bigger Pockets and the Bigger Pockets podcast. If you did that, just go to iTunes and leave us at Bigger Pockets a rating and review. We so appreciate it. Are you Seriously. Done? Are you done? I, you know what? It, this is this is important. This oh, is how okay. we get more listeners. This is how we help more people become successful. I Don't, agree. You, you can't rush this, Brandon. I'm not knocking it. I am just you can't uh, rush this. I know you're excited <laughs> about Nick. And I'm excited to introduce Nick. This bond yep. uh, together, and and so why don't why don't you bring him in? All right. Can I really? Okay. So Nick is a, he's done house hacking, he's done flipping, he's done rental properties, and he's all, he's still under the age of 30 right now, and he's uh, just crushing it. So with that, let's bring him into the show. Nick, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Now that just feels weird. Nick, welcome to the <laughs> show, man. It's good to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun today. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, I read a quick bio about you, and I know a little bit about your history. And you've you've done a lot of what I've done, which is fun because now I get to kind of hear a different perspective: house hacking and a little bit of flipping, a little bit of rentals. We'll cover all that today. So, why don't we start there at the beginning? How did you get into this game? Uh, well, it kind of spurred from um, a little bit of a dissatisfaction with a job, as it often does. Started working right out of undergraduate business school at IBM as a strategy consultant. And on the surface, was a great job as far as uh, moved to New York, traveled a bunch, got to uh, meet with a lot of different clients and had exposure to a lot of different things, learned a lot about business processes and all that. But I quickly realized that that lifestyle, um, the corporate lifestyle and being a prisoner to meetings and emails and all of that wasn't going to work long term. So um, I had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit come up through me, potentially spurned on, you know, growing up, my father was an entrepreneur and I really admired things he did. So I just started to think, um, I know that this job is good for now, but what could I do in the future potentially to exit? 
not sure exactly how it happened, but real estate hit my mind um, in flipping specifically, uh, probably uh, from the shows, you yeah. know, HGTV <laughs> shows, things like that, as it often does. Yeah. Um, but as I started to look into it and read up on it and, and to learn about it, it seemed very tangible to me and um, something that I could wrap my head around is something I could potentially start as a project. Um, it was quantitative, which, which really fits um, some of my strength and some of the things I had learned. At the same time, I had a childhood friend who had gone to college and had uh, trained to be a carpenter, and he had been also thinking of doing something similar with real estate. He's gotten really skilled with that. So we had talked and we said, hey, why don't we try to do this together? Um, I eventually left New York, uh, came back to Buffalo, kept my job because I was traveling so much. It didn't really matter where I lived, to be honest. Um, but when I went back to Buffalo, him and I, um, you know, drummed up what our plan would be. And we eventually bought our first um, rehab property and, and did that flip. And from there, it's gone in many different directions, which is exciting. Cool yeah. question. Are you from Buffalo originally? I'm from Buffalo originally, yes. I love, I love how you don't consider yourself from New York. I think it's great. I'm a real New Yorker from actual right. New York. And you're from <laughs> yeah. like Buffalo. <laughs> I know. It's completely different. Yeah, a lot of people think it's a, it's a short one-hour drive to get from Buffalo to New York, which is obviously not the case. So, yeah, uh, yeah definitely from Buffalo. Proud of it. And uh, I'm glad to be back in the area. Nice. So, is, that, and, is that where you well, do all your investing at? Is Buffalo now? I do all my investing in Buffalo, yes. I actually live in Rochester, which is about an hour down the road. Um, it is, uh, uh, my, my wife works here and that's why we live here, but uh, all of my investing is in Buffalo currently, yes. So some context for those who don't know, Buffalo, Rochester, upstate New York, pretty close to Canada, definite Rust right. Belt, definite like economies are, are not in the greatest of places uh, and right. and. Uh, housing stock there is highly inexpensive uh, relative to the rest of the country. Yeah, what's a um, typical house go for? I mean, what's the low end? What's high end? Yeah, yeah, the median price is about one fifty uh, okay. for your typical house. Um, the low end is as low as they go. Um, similar to Detroit and all that. You know, you can get houses for five thousand. We don't invest in those areas. And then there's there's your nice neighborhoods um, that you can get up in the millions uh, for sure. But 100 bucks per square foot is really your typical uh, price point in Buffalo. Okay. Okay. Sounds pretty similar to where, where I'm at. So yeah. you, you started, you know, you had this idea to flip. You got your carpenter friend. Uh, yeah. How old were you at the time? 21 we or 24? 22 when we thought about it. I think we bought our first. We were 23 about a year so, later. So the, the, the talk about the first. Did you guys go in and yeah. buy it together? How much was the property? Um, what what did the whole process look like? Yeah, we actually uh, we we definitely ran before we walked in that we started an entity right off the bat. Started an LLC. We're going to do this. We're going to conquer the world. So we went in together, fifty fifty partners on an LLC, and we purchased the first property uh, for eighty thousand. We put in thirty five thousand. And uh, we eventually sold for 140. When we account for all of those other costs that, that a lot of people tend to forget, we, we pretty much broke even when we take out real estate commissions, holding costs, everything like that. So we broke even on that first one. And that was with us doing some of the work, uh, quite a bit of the work. So not necessarily profitable by my standards today, for sure. Um, but that first one to, to not lose money was, was really exciting. And a, a lot of times I think that that is a victory in itself on a first flip. You know, I tell a lot of people that when you get into flipping, a lot of people lose money on their very first one. I mean, it's an sure. education and it's an expensive one. I mean, I don't think right. that's a bad thing at all. The fact that you jumped in, you did it, you didn't pay somebody 50 grand or 70 grand to take a course to learn how to do it. You just went out and did it and you broke even, but you learned. Right. Yeah. And that was what we were so excited about. We, you know, of course we wanted to make 30, 40 grand and oh, this is yep, going to be it. Yep. But we came away so excited by the fact that we learned so much, like you just said, and, and just the fact of buying a house. If you think about where you're at when you're 22, 23, yeah. the, the idea of purchasing a property is a bit overwhelming, but to close on it on the front end. And then again, on the back end was just a relief off our shoulders to know we can do this. Now let's take our learnings and, and apply it to the next one and the next one. So, I love that. Uh, How'd you finance that, that first deal? That was a private lending. So um, that was definitely the biggest obstacle to get started. When we formed this LLC, we made this beautiful business plan. Here's how we're going to flip houses, conquer the world. And we just immediately started meeting with whomever we could, friends, family. Uh, this ended up being a friend of a friend of a family member who um, had a self-directed IRA and didn't know what to do with it and pretty much trusted just 
us as you know these guys will pay me back uh we were able to get the lending for the purchase and the rehab of that property on an interest only loan of at 12 percent nice so 12 so percent nice. interest only um yeah. and obviously he got paid back yeah he did it took a bit longer we said six months it, it took eight or nine but we just paid that extra interest and he was happy he, he saw the house when it was complete solid pictures was really excited about it so he got uh his money and, and he's still one of our our big time lenders so i'm uh, very excited that that worked out of course yeah awesome that's awesome i i love i love private lending in that there are no specific rules right like yeah you were just right. getting started you know but if you ask enough people you talk to enough you network enough there's always people with extra money not sure quite what to do with yeah it. i think that's great and that's that's certainly the case i mean looking back at it now the business plan we made is is must have been laughed at by many knowing that we had <laughs> never done it before but the fact that we went that step of putting it together, they should have showed at least that we were serious. But now what we're able to do, of course, is to take our portfolio and bring it to private lenders. And the network has continues to grow from there. So now we have lenders who are third, fourth, fifth degree people that we know. Um, and, and we're a lot more serious with, there's, there's almost no limit to the funds that, that they're able to lend. So, yeah. And you know, yeah. you, you mentioned this idea that you know, you guys didn't make a whole lot of money on the on the first property, but you right. know, holding that twelve percent interest loan for for eight nine months or whatever, the lender made a good chunk of money on that. So he yep, made sure. much more than you did, or he or she, or whatever, made a lot Absolutely. more. Absolutely, and that yeah, I've and done that so many that times. We, yeah, <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, and that's what what we put into like the one biggest point we put in our business plan that we made bold was um, we pride ourselves in making our lenders whole, and that is the key to this business because yeah. without that we can't get started unless we have a huge bankroll, which we didn't. And most people don't, it's impossible to get started without your character and your lenders seeing that and knowing that they're going to be paid back. So, yeah. And, and it's it. amazing that, you know, at 22, 23, you were able to convince somebody to actually lend you the money in the first place. You know, we get so many people who come to us. I, I mean, not a day goes by where I don't get an email or a private message from somebody who's like, Hey, I'm new. I'm broke. I don't know what to do. How do I get started? <laughs> right. How do I, how do I finance this? What do I do? You know, you know I have no hope. And there's, sure. there's options. I mean, a little, no offense, a little kid at 21, <laughs> 22, you're able to get, yeah. you know, get enough money to do this. That's, that's fantastic. And it's, it's a test a testament to the fact that anyone can really do this. You just have to really work hard and uh, utilize your capacity to find the resources. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Prepare. And honestly, the, the, the most important thing is to take that first step, have that first meeting, even as, if it's with your uncle or, or with, with somebody you know doesn't have enough money or will never lend to you, have that meeting, get feedback and move on to the next. Because until you do, you're going to look like that little kid. It's, it's making that conversion to here's somebody who has no idea what they're doing or here's somebody who I know I'm going to get my money back from and they're going to work hard to make sure that happens. So um, I, I definitely think that's, that's a solid piece of advice. You know, A lot of people stop when they think I don't have the money. You should start at that point and just start talking to people. Let me, let me ask you a question about that, kind of wrap up that first flip. You didn't make a lot of money. You did a lot of the work yourself. Mm -hmm. What went wrong? Right. Yeah. Why didn't you make a lot of money? I think the biggest thing that, uh, well, we, we bought it for too much, certainly. Our, our rehab budget wasn't too far off. Ended up spending that 35000 We were close to that. I think what we did in our ARV analysis, we were naive to the qualitative factors. And this is something that I would say is, is a big pointer that we've learned. You can do a lot of quantitative analysis on what you're going to sell it for later. What's your price per square foot? What are houses going for in the market? What we refused to acknowledge was this house is a 3-2, a great neighborhood. Everything was good about it, except it was a, you know, a one and a half story. It didn't have any dormers on the second floor. So those bedrooms had ceilings coming into it. You know, you could, you're going to knock your head if you walk to that side of the ceiling. So we ignored that. We said, it's a three, two, it's 1500 square foot. It's going to sell for 150,000, hundred dollars per square foot. It, this is, this is what the numbers tell us. We were naive and we ignored the fact that, Hey, nobody wants to be banging their head when they go to sleep every night. So I think that was one thing. Um, we were so excited to get in. We ignored those things that were, sh were staring us right in the face, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I never heard anybody talk about it quite the, the, the way you just put the qualitative versus quantitative sort of numbers. Right. And it, and it definitely, um, we've seen it time and again, getting rid of quirks is probably the biggest piece of advice I would have to anybody starting a flip in that you have a house and everything looks good on paper. 
but even the style of house can throw off your ARV. You know, uh, for example, we had a we had a raised ranch we recently sold. That's something we learned that a raised ranch, same square footage as a colonial, not necessarily going to sell for the same amount. People don't really like that style of house. Yeah, um, and, and you have to pay attention to those things, and you have to make sure your comps are as close as possible when it comes to those qualitative features. I had a guy the other day send me an email from Bigger Pockets, and he just said, "Hey, I'm looking to start my first flip. I found the property I want. What do you think?" And I looked at it and I don't have time to look at every flip, you know, like people send me, but I looked at this one and the first thing I noticed is it said the first line of the description said one of a kind property. And I immediately emailed it back and said, right. no, don't, don't do it. Like yep. I've been sure. there, I've done that one of a kind property. It was like some huge house that didn't belong in the neighborhood. And it was so great. Cause it was like, you know, nine bedrooms or something. I'm like, you know, right. it might be a cool right. house, exactly. but I, I don't know. I like flipping boring houses now. Like I want, what does everybody in the neighborhood want to buy? That's yep. what I want to flip. Right. Like, what's just a yep. normal Absolutely. cookie cutter or whatever house? Anyway, hey Nick, so you, you've got this one deal. You you closed on it. You're done. You know, break even to potentially slightly down. You know, where where are you guys now mentally, and what yeah. kind of comes to follow? Well, what happened almost simultaneously with that first flip? A month after that first flip, we actually bought our first rental, and the reason. Uh, I don't talk about it as our first project in that we, we came back to, I came back to Buffalo and the immediate thing was live with your parents, right? Cause it's free and easy. So yeah. we needed to find a place to live. I did, he did. Um, so we found a three unit house to buy. We thought, well, why don't we buy it, rent it out, um, the rest of it, and we can kind of have it pay for itself, the whole house hacking thing. So that was our next deal. And I would say that that did more in spawning the rest of my career than the flip did. And that it opened my eyes to this, I don't have to just stick to flipping houses. For one, the margins might not be that huge. In Buffalo, for example, where houses aren't going for millions of dollars, the margins aren't as big. So what is this whole rental thing? And I discovered that by buying that uh, house, again, with my business partner, we're living as roommates, kind of like college again, and um, we're renting out the others. And that opened our eyes. So then from there, we were both still working. But our idea was, let's keep doing more part-time, Let's buy another flip. Let's do another flip. Let's see if we can buy more rentals and we'll see how that goes. And we did that very slowly over the years. We did about a flip per year for the next two, three years. Uh, we picked up a couple rental properties until uh, 2014 hit when we started really getting serious about um, let's make this a full-time thing and let's make this into a business that can sustain itself. That's awesome. Cool. That's awesome. Well, let's go back and talk about that rental a little bit. You said, was, did you say sure. that was a single family house and you rented their bedrooms or was it a multifamily? No, it was a multifamily. It was okay. a three-family house, okay, that's um, a, a really great first-floor unit, an okay second floor, and then a basement basement unit with the egress necessary. We so we lived in the the middle unit, if you will. So we kept the best unit renting, and we actually did a very quick rehab on that basement unit to increase the rent a bit on that. And while living there, we came close to breaking even. Um, which worked out really well. And like I said, that opened our eyes. We didn't know anything about property management. Um, that was a great way for us to cut our teeth. We had really good tenants who understood that they needed to respect our time. And we started immediately, even though we lived right there, but we started immediately treating that whole thing as a business. Uh, we started invoicing as a business. Maintenance requests came in as a business. You knew us because you lived near us, you know, same, same house, but you must treat us as a business of property managers. And I think that's what made that so successful as a, as a first rental property. So how did you as a 23, 24 year old guy hmm. with a, you know, with another guy living with you, I mean, like, how did you position yourself as the person in charge? Right. I struggled with that a lot early on. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was branding. Um, so we had that LLC that we started. So we had our company, New York Home Solutions, and um, we we worked hard to build up a website and build up a brand and a logo. And, and we used QuickBooks and we did things as if a business that had 100 rentals would do it. And I think that that really helped. I don't know if our tenants really knew that this was our only rental. They might have. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, but we sure put on the front that we knew what we were doing. We're professional about it. We dressed the part. That's another important thing. You know, you dress like a professional and you act like prof professional. You're going to be treated like one, and that helped quite a bit uh, with this with this first rental, and then of course the subsequent ones after that as well. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, I know that like. 
I tend to tell people don't spend too much time on your you know, business cards and your logos and stuff. But there is that case where that comes in really handy is when you look professional, when you run your business like you have 100 units. I love that you said that. You know, Even yeah. if it's your very first one, run it like you have 100 of them because then well, you can scale to 100. Yeah. Yeah, and especially when uh, when you're young and you're doing this, you know, I, again, it just it keeps coming back for us. You know, you get all these young folks on BP who are like, "Hey, I don't know, you know, if I'm going to be taken seriously." Well, you know, make them take you seriously. There's there's lots of ways to do it, and one of the ways is to be professional. Done, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. did kind of the same thing for a while. We didn't tell our tenants that we were the owners. We were, you know, we had a sure. property management company and we were the managers of the property management company. And that's all they ever knew. So most of our early tenants didn't even know that we were the ultimate owners. Or if they'd asked, I'd say, you know, yeah, I'm one of the partners in this company, but it's a, you know, LLC and there's other members. And, you know, pretty soon it's just over their head and they don't bother to figure out what that actually means. Well, yeah, right. I, I don't really want them to know what the intricacies of my business are. Right. So that helped a lot being able to say, you know, like, well, you know, this is a business. I'm just part of it. I'm just one cog in this wheel. And this is why the rules are in place. And so that definitely helped me as well. Just treating your business like a business. I think that's great. So yeah, house hacking. I love it. Very, very yeah. cool. So we've got, we, we've got the rentals. We're starting to build this up. You know, you, you're doing the one flip a year. You talked about 2014, you started getting serious and, and right. turning it into something, you know, bigger and better. So, I mean, give us the, the quick overview uh, where are you today? Like how many how many buy and holds? How many flips have you done? And then maybe we'll we'll kind of cut back and, and dig in a little more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've done about ten flips. Uh, we have twenty rental units currently that we're managing. Um, in addition to the flips we're working on right now, um, kind of a, a value add refi deal that we're flipping that we're going to refi. So that's where we're at today. Um, and I'd say probably maybe half of that has happened in the last year um, since since August of 2014 till now. So um, that's kind of the growth we've seen in the year. And, okay. Talked about the scaling. So one a year, yeah. one a year, one a year, and then boom, it's on. How do, how do you transition to that? Well, well, the, the biggest thing was we went full-time. So we were doing everything up until that point as part-time. I was traveling all over the country, all over the world, and it was honestly not the way I like to run a business. Uh, my business partner, Costa, was working still as a carpenter full-time. Anything we did was nights and weekends. So the um, stepping away from our other jobs to go full-time was huge because now we could establish our systems to take things on at scale. So what that means is our project management system, our, um, our system, our cloud-based management of documents and our cloud-based management of property management, all of that really came into play about a year ago when we said, here is how we're going to manage our maintenance requests, for example. It's going to be completely online. We're going to manage our workflow using Podio is what we do. Um, and we honestly, that's just an example. We just establish systems for everything. When it comes to marketing, when it comes to analyzing uh, the leads that come in, here's the system, here's the script, here's how you enter it into the system, and here's how we go through our workflow. Um, so that really helped us a lot to get going. And I must say, I, I can't say that here we are churning on this um, this business that just runs itself. We're still very much involved. We do a lot of work still. Um, and that's by, uh, you know, on purpose, the fact that we are on our own right now, we need some income. So I'd say the biggest thing we did when we went full-time, if and when we were involved in rehabs of projects, it sounds crazy, but we paid ourselves. <laughs> so yeah. um, if we were to budget, you know, say for my business partner, Costa, to put in cabinets, $3,000, he would get that $3,000 check. So we are still involved a bit, and we're playing that game of subbing out a lot, but we're still in, into it. But we're at least paying ourselves, and that's been a huge change um, in how we run our business. So. So this is something I, I talk to people a lot about, this idea of, you know, run your business like a business. And, and you know, some people will say you shouldn't do any work in your flipping or in your rentals. You should outsource everything and be the business owner. And I don't think that's the case. I think I like doing work a lot of times. I don't have a lot of time sure. to do it anymore. But, you know, the, the key, though, the difference is what you're doing is that you're treating yourself as almost like an employee of this business. So you are just one cog in the wheel right. of the business. So you could replace yourself with someone else and your business wouldn't implode. Yeah. And that's the exactly. difference. Yeah, this is this is our point of transition. Uh, we are going from doing this part time. We're now doing it full time. Now it's not enough. You know, I we can talk about it later. Our support systems. This is not enough. If I were doing this by myself, 
this would not uh, support my, my lifestyle. So a way to mitigate that is to, okay, well, we pay other people to do work. Let's pay ourselves. This is the intermediate step before we go completely passive. And that's how we treat this right now. Um, and we're going to slowly, slowly work ourselves out of it. And we've done that to this point. We, we sub out way more now than we did in the past. And we're getting to the point where um, cost is roll. We'll not be putting in cabinets anymore, but it'll be bouncing around to different projects and making sure that the other carpenters that he manages are doing that. Yeah. I like that. So would it be true to say like you, you generally run more of the, is it the numbers, the finding deals and he does more of the business side or the construction? Yeah, that's definitely accurate. Uh, So I would say that I would do, you know, business development, finding new leads, uh, negotiating deals, although we are both in on what we pay for properties, what we sell properties for, and then the overall project management and the business system. So setting up our Google Drive, our Google Apps for work, setting up Podio, which we use a lot, Asana, we use a lot. Um, and really managing our lenders is, is another big thing that I would do. And yes, Costa would be a technical project manager in that he is on site. Uh, he knows exactly what needs to be done. He knows how it should be done. And, and he can report to me on, on if that's happening on our projects. So I, I, I've got a question. I mean, we, we've talked to lots and lots and lots of people over the years we've been doing this. I've seen lots of posts on bigger pockets. I've rarely heard somebody at your stage paying yourself a salary. Um, frankly, if I were a private investor, I wouldn't give you money um, to pay yourself. Um, uh, I'm, I'm surprised that they do. So how, how, does that, how has that conversation gone, um, at least with the folks that are lending you money? Because, you know, I, I get it from your perspective. I totally, totally get it. You know, yeah, it makes logical sense. I, I'm doing some work. Right. From the other side, it's, yeah, I'm giving you the money. You do the work. It's part of the, the package, and you, get, you reap the, re- the rewards at the end of the day. So um, how, does, how does that kind of work out in the conversations for you? Sure. It, it's all about focusing on the equity that's getting added to the, the house or the flip or, or whatever it is. So what our lenders are concerned with is a loan to purchase a property, agreeing that it's worth that much. And then we'll work out a draw schedule and that as work is completed, they'll provide other draws. And as long as there's the equity there, then they have no problem putting money into it. So in, in this example, so equity in that we're adding, let's say a floor to the house, right? So we put it into our construction budget. It's going to cost $3,000 labor and materials to put in this floor. Once it's complete, the property's equity will go up at least that much, right? And the lender agrees that that makes sense. Once that floor is in, we'll, we'll give that money in that draw. They don't care uh, who does it as long as the equity is there. They know that we do it and they know that we do it right. I think that's definitely another important uh, point to your question. They know that we've done this before and that we're licensed insured contractors and we can do it. As long as the equity is there and that their investment is protected should they need to foreclose or anything like that, they have no problem with that. Yeah, and I think... I, I think that's where, like, if I were a private lender lending on it, I wouldn't have the as big of a deal because I know that you're going to pay three thousand for that floor no matter who does it. I would rather know right. that uh, somebody I trust was doing the work, even if it's going to cost three thousand no matter what. Like, you're at least you're doing the work. I could trust you versus some Joe Schmo you're going to call off Craigslist to go do the work for three grand. I'd rather pay right. you the three right. grand. So I, I, it makes sense, but I, you, I get Josh's point too. It's a weird thing, like. Why are you making money you, before I mean, they I've are? I've never heard of that before. Have you heard? I mean, in, in all the years I've, I mean, I've, I've done that a number of times. Yeah, I paid, do that. I paid myself like when I, especially like hard money, like they were all right with that. Cause they said, you're getting this much based on the ARV. This is how much we're giving you. I don't care how you spend it. As long as the house gets done, you know, do what you want. It's kind of, I've been somewhat well, treated. And now the listeners have learned. I want to circle back a minute to something you mentioned. We just briefly covered it, but I love that you said this is the idea of you create systems for everything that you do in, in terms of finding leads, in terms of all that stuff, you have systems and you use Podio, which I've never used, but I hear a lot about. Can you talk a little bit yeah. more about that, what that looks like and what do you mean by the, the sure. systems in Podio? Yeah, um, Podio is, is fantastic. Well, we use we use Google Apps for work as our main, you know, here's our email, here's Google Drive, all our documents are digital. We pride ourselves on that. Yep. Podio, we've discovered, uh, I don't know, six, seven months ago. What Podio is, is pretty much a customizable 
database. And what you do is you create different databases and they talk to each other. And you can set up workflows within those databases to manage pretty much whatever you want. So in the example that you're asking about property management, what we do is we set up our units. They're connected to our properties, which are, and our units are connected to our tenants. We can have vacancies connected to all of that and ultimately maintenance requests as well. So we create this relational database of units and tenants and maintenance requests and applications and information. They all talk to each other and it's completely customizable. So we can add fields that we think are necessary and then we create workflows and we give our tenants, here's how you submit a maintenance request. Once it hits, we set up the workflow to email Costa, who gets it and says, I have a new maintenance request. He sets the status and alert gets sent back to the um, the tenant. And that's how we work the whole thing. The best thing about Podio, when you compare it, um, so obviously there's Appfolio and Buildium. There's plenty of other solutions for this. What we love about it, one, it, it's cheap. It, it can be free or just a few bucks a month. But it also is the customizability of it. My property management database talks to my flipping database and I can have them interact with each other. It talks to QuickBooks. It talks to my finances. And to be, to be able to customize all that is really the value add we, we find in Podio. And it's been fantastic for us. Um, and we're trying to just use it more and more and find other ways to take paper away and uh, use workflows in the digital cloud. Very cool. Oh, right on. Very cool. Oh, that's great. That's great. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cool. So... Your part of the business is is the running of the business. Um, you know, you seem like a pretty pretty serious and businessy kind of guy, which which is <laughs> okay. which is good. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, by the way, so you came from IBM. Like, wh- where'd you go to school? I went to Carnegie Mellon University. I, that's really funny. I was going to say Carnegie. You went to definitely went to one of the math schools. Um, I don't okay. know why. <laughs> yeah. So you went yeah, to Carnegie Mellon. Definitely Mal- quantitative, right? Yeah. Worked at yes. IBM. You've got that mentality. How are you finding? deals because I could see you crunching numbers and everything that you do. Right. Let's 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 kind of educate some of the folks who don't have that, right? What's your path? What's your method? Yeah. Well immediately I we talked about setting up the branding. I set up a website, you know, (laughs) way before we should have maybe we we had no business having a website. We flip houses (laughs) but we don't know how to yet. Um, (laughs) nice. But we so we have a website set up, decent traffic. We don't spend too much time on that. It looks great. We have we update it frequently. We have a lot there. I don't spend too much time on it. Um, really, we found our deals through the MLS uh, here and there. We have a, a really strong agent who is connected to both listed properties and, and then some off-market listings. He's got some good connections with investors that might not hit the market. We found a couple properties through him. So that helps quite a bit. Um, our website does receive some traffic. We get some leads through there. And then there's so much um, word of mouth and networking. I, I say again and again to my business partner is don't stop talking about yourself and what you do because um, we found certainly our best deals this way and just deals that you would never have thought are going to come about. You know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who wants to get rid of a property and that's how you find one. Um, so we haven't spent too much on marketing yet, but I think that the networking has been our biggest, uh, our, our biggest, you know, it's, it's led to the most deals for sure. And that, that's cool because that's something that anybody can do. If you're brand new, oh, yeah. if you have no money to get started, if you're very like, you know, thrifty here, you, it doesn't cost anything to talk about yourself. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. So, so what are some are good you, tips for getting started with the networking? Uh, well, Obviously, within your spheres of influence. So um, I was lucky enough, my, my father was a businessman connected to the community, a little suburb outside of Buffalo. So I immediately started talking to, to his immediate network. And again, we might have been laughed at a bit. I, you know, here's my business plan. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm looking to um, do with my business. They probably don't care, but they're going to tell somebody. Um, that's where we started. That's that's um, for sure. And then that kind of spreads here and there. Family and friends, even though you're always going to have that uncle at Thanksgiving or Christmas who talks about why you should or shouldn't invest and how you yep. should do it, you have to uh, ignore that and move on and just you know nod your head. But because it's the other family member who didn't make the comment who's going to come to you in a year and say, you know, here's a friend who wants to sell their house for really cheap, right? Um, it happens. It's a fact. You need to talk. Um, of course, the bigger pockets meetups are huge. Um, I, I go to both in Buffalo and in Rochester, which is nice to be able nice. to go to both of those. Um, and then the last thing I would say is that, uh, and you can't really do this till you have a property year two. But I, I have to say the marginal difference from having zero to one property is huge because when you're able to say, I invest in real estate as opposed to I want to invest in real estate, it really turns the green light on. So um, I have to say getting that first property is huge. Even if like in our case, we didn't make a ton of money, but we could say we've done it before and that really helped out a lot. So I think that's key for anybody wanting to get going. Buy something. Yeah. Um, as long as as long as you're not losing too much money, it's okay to lose <laughs> a bit, break even. Maybe you'll make some money, and and at least you can say that you've done it. Yeah, so. I, I actually love that. I love that advice. Just get out there and take action. Start moving. Start doing something. Right. You know, it might 
you might not make a $50,000 on your first flip, but you know, just moving forward, taking those steps, you know, cause the next one's going to be better and you're going to learn, you're going to learn, you're going to learn. Uh, just obviously don't get yourself in trouble over it and, you know, go bankrupt moms, you know, 401k or something, but you know, exactly. but yeah, I mean like do what you got to do, take action, move forward. I love it. All right. So let's see, you mentioned, uh, just in case people, cause we touch on it real quickly there, the BP meetups. Uh, so what those are in case yeah. people aren't familiar, uh, basically bigger, they're unofficial, bigger pockets members just get together all across the country. I mean, there's probably hundreds of them at this point that just happen spontaneously. Sometimes they're, you know, big, sometimes they're small. Sometimes there's 12 people in a room. Sometimes there's 150 people in a room. Uh, you know, usually they're at, I don't know, anywhere from a local bar to a restaurant to a actual like networking place. Uh, you know, I've probably been to 30 of them or 40 of them in the past couple of years. I mean, they're fantastic. I mean, there's no like right. generally not an agenda. There's not like a paid speaker usually that's coming in to sell something. It's just, let's get real investors, just like the forums together, talking about their business and networking. And uh, I love it. If people want to know where theirs, their next, I guess, uh, meetup is, make sure you guys set up keyword alerts on BiggerPockets. Let's go to biggerpockets.com slash alerts and enter in your local city name. All the big cities around, you know, within a 50 mile drive of you or hundred mile drive, set up those as alerts. And when any anybody announces a, a meetup, you'll get a notification and uh, yeah, good way to kind of connect with other people. I love them. There's actually one right. last night. I wasn't able to go to last night, but there was one in my area last night uh, that, uh, you know, there's probably 60 people showed up there. So anyway, yeah. very cool. That's great. That's great. So what, what's, what's the plan? I mean, you guys, you know, you've got uh, my 20 rental units, you've done 10 flips. I mean, you guys are full-time in on this thing. Obviously, it's not a side business. You quit your job. I mean, you were working at a Fortune 100 business, probably making a nice, you know, pretty hefty salary that a lot of people would envy. And so, you know, to to stop that and go full-time into real estate investing on, on, you know, uh, these small rental, rental, I'm assuming they're all houses that you're, you're rental houses. Yeah. Currently, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what's yeah. the plan? Where Where are you going? What's yeah. You know, what's the next year, two years, five years look like? Yeah. So, our our main plan is is structured on we're both twenty seven, um, and by thirty, hopefully before that, probably half of that is my real goal. Is we want to get all of our rentals up and cash flowing, so that the percentage we take away as salary is enough to sustain comfortable living in Buffalo, which to be honest is not much, right? Um, And then from there, we want to level set at that point. And then from there, continue building up the units. And we want to treat flips as bonuses, if that makes sense. So what I want our business to look like is our rental units, our income, that's our salary for the year, that's our base salary. Every flip or every um, you know big time uh, value add refi that we do something like that cash influx that could be treated as a bonus should we decide that's the best use of it for the business so that's where we want to get in the next year and a half to, th- to three years we see that being about 50 units we could do that just based on the units we have now so we're aggressively trying to get there and I guess Josh to your point uh, on leaving the job it's true um, you know leaving the job was tough because it was you know six figure income it was great. The, the best thing about it is if we fail or if we don't get to where we need to be, I can always go back. And, and uh, I, you know, if those listening or, or people are thinking about it, leaving your job, just make sure you do it in, in a way that is amicable. People understand that you want to leave your job, you want to do something else. Keep those relationships alive because, um, you know, if you fail, you can always go back. It's not an impossible thing. So, yeah. Okay, so so you want to go? You want to in the next three years or so uh, have this sustainable uh, income through fifty units, and then you know you get your little bonus flips and things like that. What about five years? What about ten years? I mean, do you see yourselves? I mean, you know, building an even bigger portfolio, or you want to just kind of kick yeah. back at that point and relax? Well, I think at at this point in time, I can tell you what I see, but I, I can also tell you that it probably won't happen. What I see is um, is continuing. We, we do have a, an apartment building that we're under contract for. So we are going from houses to apartment buildings, small apartment buildings, and we do want to continue to grow that into large apartment buildings. That's the current plan. When I say I can't really tell you what's going to happen in five years, it's just because everything is so iterative. When I started this, I thought we were going to flip houses and that was going to be the magical way to yep. <laughs> financial freedom. That was going to be it. And then a month later, I got rentals. I said, whoa, what is this over here? So that's our plan right now. We're going to keep building up. We want to go bigger and bigger apartment buildings. We want to get up to 100, 200, 300 units. Sure. 
Um, but we don't know where it'll go. We actually just had, um, we, we've been having many people ask us if we would renovate their houses just for cash, just as general contractors. Maybe that's something we want to explore. Maybe we'll get into custom home building, something like that. So we don't really know where it's going to lead. But I can tell you the current trajectory is to continue building those units up uh, in, into you know the higher volume apartment complexes. Right on, right on. And I, I love I love the iterative plan. Um, I think that's a smart approach. I think you know a, a lot of people find themselves you know hey I'm going to be a flipper I'm going to be a flipper because it's a great way to make all this money and then they're like oh my god this is a job this is like you know flipping sure. is just you know, tons of work and that, that's okay. But I like having that mix where you're building the portfolio to pay for your lifestyle. And then the flips kind of come in with this little extra cash influx whenever you do them. And then you just keep building the lifestyle up. That's great. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, you could attribute to this too. I mean, bigger pockets, for example, when you started it, uh, you probably didn't think about a publishing business and the podcast and all that stuff. And so many things changed. And just the ability to adapt is what we're trying to stay focused on is that we don't know what we don't know yet. But being able to to change is important. Yeah, right I love that. Love it. Well, cool. Well, hey, let's shift gears a little bit and head over to the world famous. It's time for the fire round. All right, the fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which I hope every listener is engaging in on a daily basis because it only takes I a few hope minutes. So. Yeah, biggerpockets.com. Find you <laughs> and make sure you do it. I'm gonna or, or, or next. Oh, that would be yeah. I don't know. You don't know. made well, a real well, veiled threat right there, Brandon. <laughs> All right, fire on questions. Uh, these come from the forums that you can get to at biggerpockets.com slash forums. So number one, how do you get the funding? We kind of talked about this already, but we'll talk about it a little bit more. Maybe you have more thoughts on it. How do you get funding to do your first rehab deal if you've never done one before? Yeah, it it's almost has to be you know family, friends, or friends of those family and friends. It's hard to go straight hard money on your first deal. Even hard money lenders like to see experience. That's true. Most hard money lenders like to see money down. That's true. So it almost has to be family and friends. Now, that doesn't mean you just think of your friends, your family and say, well, nobody I know has money. It expands from there and it has to. Um, so start there. Start talking to your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your friends. And that will lead to more. It's like a spider web that continues to expand. Just keep growing that network. And eventually you'll get in front of that person who wants to gain six, seven, eight, maybe 12% with somebody they can trust and a tangible asset, which real estate is. Yeah. And one thing to add on that is, uh, you know, what I, when I first started, my very first flip was a live in flip, which is also kind of part of it's like the cousin of house hacking, right? Like I got a normal low down uh, mortgage, long term 30 year fixed mortgage on just a kind of a crappy house. Uh, you know, that was still okay, but it was just a kind of a crappy house. And I fixed it up and I sold it and I made some good money. And that became my, look, I've done this before. I have experience. Therefore, then the next flip, I was able to go get hard money because I saw the first one. Sure. And that was, yeah, the whole thing cost me, I think, a few thousand dollars. And, you know, if, if that. Plus, yeah. Plus the potential tax benefits too. If you live exactly. in, if you live in enough, it two right? years, yeah, yeah, you can do it, make some good yeah. money, be able to roll that into the next yeah. flip. And yeah. So very cool. All right. Number two. Number two, and I think you answered this. I think you mentioned QuickBooks. Uh, but do you use QuickBooks to track expenses during a flip? Yeah, I do. Um, the way that we do that is we set up our accounts as an asset account on the construction and the subcontracted services. So as we spend money on, say, buying flooring or something, it, it goes as into our asset account so that our equity in that house increases as well, if that makes sense. Um, so, of course, we use QuickBooks to track everything, and that teams up with our analysis spreadsheet to see our profit it is. But uh, from an accounting perspective, as you put money into your house, it shouldn't really be tracked as an expense, but more of a capital improvement. So we keep it as an asset. Interesting. Cool. I, I'm that, A lot of that went over my head, but that's all right. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm, a QuickBooks I'm think, guy. I'm thinking about baseball right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I, I, I love that stuff, but I'm just really bad at QuickBooks and I wish I was better. So I don't know, maybe I'll sure. teach you someday. Yeah, I'm sure some of the CPAs <laughs> will correct me potentially, but uh, all, all it is in basic terms is as you spend money on the house, the value of the house goes up. So we just account for it that yeah. way. Yep. Cool. Makes sense. Cool. Fair enough. All right. Number three, how would a beginner real estate investor go about starting a flip? What are some steps to take before closing on their very first deal? Obviously, before you close, you have to get a lot of things in line. Um, 
which you probably wouldn't be able to close unless you did. Uh, so property insurance is, is certainly one of those. But making sure that your scope is as accurate as you think it can be. Get into the house as much as possible. And what does scope uh, mean? What does scope mean for those? Uh, scope is the list of things that you'll perform during your rehab. So you're going to reconfigure the kitchen. You're going to buy new kitchen cabinets. You're going to tile the floors, all that. So be as detailed as you can be as far as what that scope looks like. Try to go room by room floor by floor, interior versus exterior. There's a great book, and I'll mention it later, The Flip Book puts together a really solid list uh, to help you nail your scope. But just be prepared in um, establishing that scope and start finding some subs if you can. Uh, start thinking about who your electrician's gonna be, who your plumber's gonna be. We recommend that you call at least three vendors, especially if you're getting started, at least three vendors for each of your um, tasks. And you can do that before you close in the house, and you should, because once you close, you're going to want to get that flip done as soon as possible. Perfect. Nice. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Uh, last question. What happens if you get a property under contract and you realize you don't want it? Uh, well, hopefully we've built in some kind of out in our contract. So we always will set up a property inspection even if we don't intend to do one. It's just something that's common and nobody really thinks twice about us including a contingency on a property inspection. So that's always our out. Now, we'll usually use that to do a really thorough inspection. Sometimes we'll bring in a third party, sometimes we won't. But that generally gives us a nice out. If you're in the spot where you've already passed that contingency, well, look at what your deposit is. Hopefully uh, your attorney and your real estate agent help to keep that low, but it's not the end of the world to back out. If you have a thousand dollar deposit, it's a lot better to lose that thousand dollar deposit than to get into a property that for whatever reason you're realizing is going to be a big time money pit. Yeah. Good. Good. Cool. Good advice. Awesome. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, let's move on and uh, get to the last section of the show, which we call lovingly our famous four. All right. The famous four. These are the questions we ask every guest. And I know you've heard the show before and you listen, so you'll know what's coming. Uh, number one. What is your favorite real estate related book? Okay, there'd probably be a combo of two books in the same series if that's okay. The first sure. that really, when I said that flipping became tangible and quantitative to me is a book called Flip, How to Sell or How to Find, Fix and Sell Houses for Profit. Is that the color? Oh, and okay. Clay Davis, same oh, series as okay. that. And my next book would be that one, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by okay. Gary Keller. Um, so those two in tandem are my favorite specifically for this show as we're talking about getting started. Those really put things into perspective. Flip is very step-by-step -step, and uh, the millionaire real estate investor gives a comprehensive view of, of all the different strategies that can help uh, make you successful. Great. Right on. Right on. What about business books? Fa favorite business book? Okay. Uh, again, I'll give a tandem, but um, this time by the same author. So a lot of people know the book Think and Grow Rich um, by Napoleon Hill, which was a big uh, game changer for me. And I recommend everybody read it as far as getting your psyche in the right mind to uh, pursue some kind of profitable venture. He also wrote another book that wasn't released until 2011. Uh, he wrote it in 1938. It's called Outwitting the Devil. Um, and it's really interesting. It's a conversation between Napoleon Hill and the devil. And they really uh, look at fear and how it stops those from taking action. And specifically in this case, how Napoleon Hill was trying to get over that fear. So those two in tandem work really well for getting you to take uh, you know, the next step. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've heard that's a good book. I haven't read that one yet, yeah. though. I'll add that. Uh, what about hobbies? What do you do for fun? I love to travel. My wife and I love to travel. Um, we've been to many awesome places, and we kind of have developed a bit of a bucket list of places we want to travel and go and experience before we think about starting a family. So if we're not on a trip of some sort, we're usually planning one, and we get really excited about that. So that's, your, that's great. Re reading your is also... What's your favorite place you've been? Um, well, I'd have to say that somewhere I've been with her, um, sure. that's Aww, for sure. So <laughs> um, Santorini in Greece was, was fantastic. We went there and, and that was amazing. So I've been to South Africa for work and the Cape of Good Hope was amazing, but I'd like to bring her there. I think it'll be a, a bit better, uh, with, with non coworkers. I think it could be yeah. a bit more fun. So, okay. cool. Yeah. So then reading, cool. <laughs> you said, uh, before I cut you off. There. Yeah, reading and in a bit, you know, the, the real estate books and the business books, as we all know, it's sometimes you read a bunch of them and it sounds like they're repeating themselves. So uh, getting into fiction and philosophy has been, has been really great to take a break from all that. Yeah, so. fantastic. Cool. All Very right. good. Brandon? My final question. What do you believe 
sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Uh, well, it'd have to be, uh, without question, it'd be fear. And I think specifically, it's that focus on those potential negative outcomes. So um, when we think about deviating from society's norms, we are so caught up on what if I fail? What if I get lost? What if things don't go as I want? We're so afraid to stumble. We don't think about the potential benefits, right? The things we don't even know are possible uh, with that first step. So, you know, my advice on that is you need to take action, whether it means going out and getting a moleskin and taking notes on what you think your real estate investing might look like. Maybe that's your first step or you're at the point where it's time to buy a property, whatever it is. Take action and don't be afraid uh, to fail because more times than not, you're going to succeed more than you'll fail. So that would be it. Cool. I love it. Cool. All right. Before we let you go, where can people find out more about you? Certainly on Bigger Pockets, um, our company, nyhsolutions.com, New York Home Solutions, and also uh, dabbling with blogging a bit, uh, a blog called Income Digs. So incomedigs.com, they can check out and, and uh, see what I have to say as far as our experience goes with flipping and, and renting. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, listen, Nick, it's, it's been a pleasure. It sounds like you're uh, doing some really great stuff. Uh, very impressive. And I you know, just want to thank you for being part of Bigger Pockets and for you know coming out and joining us and sharing your story with us. Thanks, guys. It's, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate everything you guys do, of course, and uh, very happy to be part of it. Awesome. Thanks. We'll see you around. All right, guys, that was Nick Baldo crushing it at the tender young age of 27 years old. And he's got great plans and he's off to uh, change his own little world. That is the enclave of Buffalo and improve that lowly, lowly. (laughs) I was going to say you were very nice about Buffalo and Rochester. And after the interview, Nick was like, I'm really glad you guys didn't bust my chops about (laughs) Buffalo. And I'm like, Oh, well, Well, now that you're not there, I'm totally going to bust your chops. Rochester, (laughs) Buffalo. Come on. Come on. No, I mean, I listen, we, we don't get a chance to talk about it too, too much uh, anymore, but I, I want to see those places turn around. I mean, if, if Buffalo, Rochester, you know, Detroit and everything else are, are thriving, so too is the United States, so too is our economy. So I, I really do hope things uh, continue to improve across the Rust Belt. And yeah. uh, guys like Nick are, are helping to make that happen. So it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, did you see that article? I think it was on CNN, Josh, the other day that said uh, it might have been CNN or maybe Fortune or Forbes. Anyway, it talked about how like uh, the banks, the big bank, it was like the the big banks, or no, what was it? The big hedge funds ex- adventure into real estate's not paying off for them. Did you see that? I mean, sh- uh, it, well, it's been happening. That has been happening for, for a few months now. Yeah, well, these guys went and bought like yep. trillions in real estate. I don't know how much they bought. They bought a, a whole hell of a lot of real estate across the country. And how do you manage that? I mean, how do you manage thousands of buildings across the country without an infrastructure? They came in with no infrastructure. They were bound to fail. It wasn't going to work. I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is they kind of led to the market climbing. Uh, they led to this kind of housing boom. And now they want to be the first ones out as as the market starts to soften. And, and you know, uh, so... Yeah, I, I, I've been waiting for this. And, yeah, and we'll see what <laughs> it would it would be interesting to know their numbers. I mean, I don't know their exact numbers, but by the way, the article is called. I found it here. It's on Fortune. It's called Wall Street's Big Bet on Housing. Uh, and then, of course, my page just changed. Not paying off. So anyway, you can check it out. It came out on the 25th of uh, September, 2015. If you want to go check that out. I mean, is is how do you do that, Brandon? I mean, seriously, how do you buy? property, thousands of properties across 50 states or even 13 states, you know, and, and manage that at scale. Yeah. I mean, obviously they have property managers, but you got to manage the, I mean, as we know, you have to manage your property managers really, really well because most property managers suck. And if they don't know how to do that, additionally, as you're rehabbing as well at scale, right? And and you're rehabbing at scale. Yeah. And they're buying property at what was market rent or above market rent or, you know, like, cause everybody knows that when they were competing against those companies, like, you know, the last few years have been tough because those companies come in, they're like, they just write a check. Like they pay oh, retail, yeah. they pay retail, whatever. So it was so hard to find stuff. So now all these properties were bought at what market value was and it hasn't improved all that much. And now they're trying, yeah, interesting. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out here. Well, 
how how is it going to pan out? What I mean is housing going to keep climbing, or is housing going to you know soften and turn down? I, I, that could be a whole show right there. We should actually that would be an interesting show. Bring yeah, on some economists, economists on. and talk about what the environment's going to do. So anyway. Yeah, it could be. All right. Interesting cool. conversation. All right, guys. Well, listen, thanks again for listening. As always, we definitely appreciate it. As Brandon insinuated earlier, if you're not on our forums, you really need to be. Join Bigger Pockets, create an account. It's free and uh, start networking with guys like Nick and uh, get out there and do it at biggerpockets.com. Otherwise, get out there, make moves, take actionable steps like we had talked about, show 142. Take action every day to, to drive your business forward and you know, keep us in the loop as you continue to be successful doing that. That's it. That's all I got for you. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.